0: This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I'm joined with my buddy Anthony, the hair metal guru, and we talk hair metal's most underappreciated albums. You know the albums we're talking about. They always get overshadowed by those big sellers. Albums like Slippery When Wet, Stay Hungry, but we're rooting for the underdogs in this episode. Make sure you check out Anthony's channel, The Hair Metal Haven, and most importantly, check the description of this video. I need you to go online and sign the petition aimed at Motley Crew to release a reissue box set of their epic, underappreciated album, Motley 94. So that's what we're looking for next year as fans. We want to see Motley do a reissue or box set or something to celebrate this album. Sign the petition in the description of the video below. Well, get ready to rock with us, man. Check it out. All right, Anthony. Welcome to the. I was about to say your name of your show. Welcome to the '80s <laughs> Glam Metal Cast, man. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you got it. So, if you if you know him from Twitter, he's the hair metal guru. Where where did that name come from?
1: You know, I, i've i've been I've been such a fan of this genre of music for so many years, and I read so much about it and and listen to it and think about it and when i was coming up with the name it, it just seemed to kind of to catch you know the guru of all things hair metal and <laughs> not that not that i think i'm that there's probably others who know more but anyway it 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 stuck and so now i'm the guru on twitter so
0: Awesome. And then uh, on YouTube, you've got the Hair-, Hair, Hair Metal Haven. Hair Metal Haven. Okay. And uh, yep. you just started the channel. You've got a couple cool videos out. You've ranked uh, Poison, Warrant, Cinderella, and Skid Row, a lot of the big ones. Uh, t- give that channel a plug, man.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, Hair Metal Haven on YouTube. Um, I also, in fact, have have a, a Facebook page that's called Classic Rock Fargo. I'm in I'm in North Dakota, but hair metal haven. I you know I've been doing a video every Sunday night uh, ranking the albums, and but but that's not going to be the sole focus. I also plan on getting into you know my favorite underground hair metal bands, and you know you know may, maybe my favorite uh, hair metal ballads. So there will be a variety of topics, but it's it's brand new. But I've already. You know, I'm, I'm getting 300 views, and, and I'm, I'm appreciative of anybody who takes their time to watch a couple minutes. So, um, yeah, so it's brand new, but it's going well so far. Awesome.
0: I've been enjoying it, man. You're a funny guy. You got some good takes on there, and uh, and you, you know your
1: stuff. So it's, go, it's all good. No, th- thanks a lot. And and you've been an inspiration for me, uh, you know, watch, watching your videos and following you on Twitter. And, and kind of, you know, I, I was, in fact, watching your videos, and I thought, you know what? like like I've always wanted to do that why can't I do that so I so I appreciate you know you kind of leading the way and and I appreciate you supporting my channel so yeah, man, it's been awesome.
0: You got it, man, anytime. Well, tonight we are going to talk about these underappreciated hair metal albums. Because if we go through the catalogs, man, and you, some of the big ones, you look at albums like Stay Hungry, Slippery When Wet, Out of the Cellar, Final Countdown, you know what I mean? These are the albums in, in all those respective bands' catalogs that get the attention. But there's other great
1: albums in the in all bands' catalogs that kind of get
0: pushed under the rug or get forgotten about.
1: you agree with that? Oh yeah, and and some of my favorite albums are those are those ones that didn't quite make it, you know, to the big time. So, uh, it's it's a great topic and and it was hard for me to narrow it down to to 15, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about these these undiscovered maybe nuggets that uh, <laughs> you know, people know the bands but don't know the albums.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's a couple of different ways to look at it, uh, Anthony. You know, some of it is like, you know, Some of these albums that we talked about, they're big sellers. Could have been 12 million copies. And then the next one uh, only is 1 million, and it's looked at as a failure. But uh, another way to look at it, too, is Internet Chatter, right? So there's a lot of albums out there that... Nobody cared really that much about you know thirty years ago, but today they become sure. legendary. You know albums like Motley 94 and and there's a lot of other ones that come to mind. The internet chatter around these albums is pretty positive compared to like when this album was panned when it came out. So it's it's interesting how some of it could be based on sales. You know that was the big album, but then other yep. albums have grown to like a legendary status. Badlands is another one. I mean oh. people are freaking crazy over
1: hey, yeah. Badlands. Metal you know what Mike. I mean? you, you. Hey, hey man, you, you got to be careful. You you bring up Motley Crue '94 and Badlands there in like a minute span, and you know that our buddy A Fish on Twitter <laughs> is going to have a heart attack if he hears those two bands. So, maybe you know, maybe it's
0: all the internet chatter is just coming from one person. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. But he is keeping those two those two albums alive, and and I'm right with him on on Motley Crue '94. I'm still working on on my love for Badlands. But, yep, yep two 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 uh albums you know that fit right into what we're talking about perfect well why
0: don't we just jump right in man let's hear your 15.
1: okay well you know you just talked about that that there are bands that have albums that have sold millions of copies and i'm gonna start off with one um so in 1980 there was a there was an album release called back in black and i'm gonna Uh go on record saying that back in black is possibly my favorite album of all time Okay, you know uh sold what 25 million copies and and everyone knows that album but in 1988 acdc came out with an album called blow up your video and and i think that album is phenomenal and it's so you never hear anybody talk about it you hear you hear the for those about to rock Mm -hmm. uh you know the follow-up to back in black and then the album that followed blow up your video uh the razor's edge was also huge because of thunderstruck but blow up your video um it, it did go platinum but you, you know for a band like acdc platinum is kind of considered the bottom of the barrel yep. uh you, you know i I, I might like the blow up your video album so much because it was one of the first ones that I got. I think I bought it from BMG, you know, the twelve <laughs> tapes for a penny. So those fuckers are still coming after me probably <laughs> for that album. Um but and and I'm gonna plug once one song on it. I, I think Heat Seeker was was Thunderstruck before Thunderstruck. Yep. So yep. So that's my first my first album is ACDC's "Blow Up Your Video."
0: Dude, that is a great example of, of exactly what we're talking about. You know, "Back in Black" was huge for for those about to rock was huge. Uh, "Fly on the Wall" obviously, and "Flick the Switch." And some of those were not as big, but right. um, I, I agree with. I'm not even an ACDC fan, and I like "Blow Up Your Video." I thought "Heat Seeker" was great, <laughs> and I thought that's the way I want to rock and roll as a super Absolutely. cool song. And that, you're right And then what happens And this is, this is a thing that's going to keep coming up uh, I think throughout the whole podcast Is there these albums that kind of get sandwiched Into like these killers And, and yeah. obviously Razor's Edge Was a monster album for them oh, Whoever thought he would ever get that big again But they huge. did So yeah, this is a perfect example Glad you brought it up I'm not a huge DC fan But I do like this album Especially I thought those two singles were great
1: and And just the fact that you're not a huge ACDC fan makes me wonder what the hell is wrong with you. But <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going to excuse it for now, but you know, just man, you got to work on that because yep. that's 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 as American as or uh, it's not they're, they're not an American band, but man, loving ACDC is like loving mom's apple pie. So
0: you just lost all credibility when you said they were American.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know they're from Australia. They're from, from no, Australians they, out there? They they Miami. are
0: American. Right? I mean, like yeah, I mean, America loves ACDC. so right, you're on right. you're on point. Um, all right, so my number 15, got? this one's a little bit more of a weird one, but I'm going to try to explain where I'm coming from.
1: Right.
0: I'm going to go with the Shotgun Messiah debut. And the reason okay. why, and this is going to be one of those examples I'm going to use for the internet chatter. So I feel like all I ever see online is people posting about, Uh, Second Coming, you know, everybody loves Second Coming. Uh, serious XM plays Heartbreak Boulevard, like crazy. Uh, A lot of people talk about Violent New Breed because that was like their album where they went into the industrial stuff, and that's where Uh Tim Skold has kind of been now for the rest of his career. So to me... And, and really, too, Tim became the vocalist for anything that followed. You know what I mean? For Shaka yep. Messiah, and this is the only album with Zinny Zan. And I love Zinny Zan. Yeah. And I think that's a guy that doesn't get enough credit. His voice on the album is really cool. Like I feel like he's got like a a punky kind of Joe Elliott sounding clear voice, but then he can switch right. like uh, you know like Tom Kiefer or uh, Steven Tyler or something like that. So I love, right. I love that guy. I, I talked to him a couple times. He's really cool. And, you know, I don't know if they, they probably sold about the same, you know, I I don't know that the sales are that much different, but I just, I love, I love the debut and I don't feel like it gets enough attention anymore. And, you know, just a couple of my favorites on there, like Bob City, don't care about nothing, nowhere fast. It's just so good. And I don't know if you have noticed this too, but I feel like the main focus and so many people are so hyped on second coming that the the debut just kind of gets lost in the shuffle.
1: Oh, I, I completely agree. And I always wonder, you know, why they got rid of uh of, of Zinny Zan because his, his vocals were phenomenal on that on that first album. And you know, maybe it's a personality Could issue. Been, yeah. But yeah, I mean second coming and man, there's a phenomenal ballad on that uh, on that album called Free anyway. But yeah, you never hear about the debut and 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 i'm glad you brought that up because that's such a great it's such a great album and now i know i got to list i in fact Zinny zan had a solo album called zan clan yep yep and and there was some really good stuff on there and his voice is is so unique i think mm-hmm. so yeah it's a that's that's a that's a great that's a great example of what we're talking about
0: and the only other thing i want to throw in is that you know i don't know what it was about when that came out in 91 i don't know if i just Lost interest in Shotgun Messiah, or I wasn't right. pleased with the singer chain. I don't know what it was, but I never bought the album, never really paid any attention to it. Of course, because of all the hype online, I, I try to go back, but now I almost wonder if it's too late. Like, I just, it's just not registering with me, or maybe it never will. So, so I just, right, Second right. Coming and me, we just, we don't hang out, I guess.
1: That's one of my favorite things about Twitter, though. And, and in fact, what we're doing right now is, is being. You know reminded of of these these bands that that you know you you forget about over time and and shotgun messiah that's a great example i mean i haven't listened to that debut album in forever so you know i mean now i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go back and revisit it and, and that's what's awesome about what we're doing sweet man number 14. okay so i am i just did a video on this band um and, and one of the comments I made was, when I was 16 years old, I don't think I, I related to a band more than I did Skid Row. You know, first album sells 5 million copies. In, in my opinion, there was, a, there was a time where they were the biggest band in the world, yep. Slave to the Grind, you know, goes number one on Billboard, sells 2 million copies. Uh, I, I did, in my video, talk about Subhuman Race being the ultimate shit show. Um, <laughs> but they put out an album in 2003 called Thick Skin. Now, it, it, it might have gone platinum or gold. It might have gone aluminum because um, I'm one of the only ones, I think, who bought it. But, you know, it had a, had a new singer, Johnny Solinger um and and there was some catchy catchy stuff on that they they did now it was actually really controversial they did a, a kind of a punk cover of i remember you called i remember you too mm-hmm. now it it doesn't bear even the slightest resemblance except for the lyrics to the original but i think it's phenomenal there's some great ballads on there there's a couple of awesome rocks rock songs uh born a beggar thick as the skin um, One light and see you around were phenomenal ballads you know I, I remember in an, an interview where with Rachel Boland he said a couple of years after it was released that that he felt that album should have been huge and and you know because of the time it couldn't have been but but you know there's some phenomenal stuff so I, I completely agree that album deserved way way more than it got.
0: You know, when I watched that video of yours, you know, I remembered this album. I I definitely liked it when it came out, but I haven't listened to it much in recent years, so I've got to go back. Uh, but yeah, you make a great point that there was probably no shot for them to be big in, in that time frame in the early two thousand. Right. So yeah, but it definitely a lot. That is a lost album for sure.
1: Right, and you know, two thousand three, and I, I know we're we're keeping it to '80s bands, but. Yeah, that was you know I thought that was such a great album. I didn't mention the song "Ghost," maybe maybe my favorite song on on the album. It was the one song that got a video, but you know most of those bands, it, it, unless you were Death, and even Def Leopard, I mean stuff they were releasing in the 2000s wasn't going to sell. But no. Skid Row, especially, I mean the, that album died upon release, but <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs>
0: All right, man. I agree with you. Number fourteen. This this one, like I said, I feel like a couple of these earlier ones. I, I'm gonna have to explain myself, and then as we get going, I don't think I'll have to as much because I think they're gonna fit the mold perfectly. But for fourteen, hear me out. I put Vinny Vincent Invasion. All systems go. <laughs> And and I think, once again, I know this album had some traction when it came out. That time of year was on MTV, and then when Vinnie Vincent was dressed up as Freddy Krueger for Love Kills, you know. But there's a couple things that have happened in more recent times. Number one, Vinnie Vincent hates this album, okay? He (laughs) doesn't like it because he doesn't like Mark Slaughter and he didn't want Mark Slaughter. He feels that Mark Slaughter was pushed on him. Uh, this is talked about on one of my videos. See how we're giving our videos plugs? This is good, right? Yeah. Uh, um, yep. When I interviewed Robert Fleischman, he kind of explained why Vinny doesn't like um, Mark Slaughter. So, so, right. so I think that's so on Vinny's side. You're never going to hear him talk highly of this album. Um, but then I think over time, the debut is really kind of... Uh, once again, it's that internet chatter or that online stuff. The debut gets all the, the attention because it's over the top, you know, all of the crazy... Yo, beat, yeah. Boys are going to rock video and all the craziness right. that surrounds that. And back on the streets is probably is his most infamous song because so many people have covered it and uh right. you know it, it's so to me i just feel like this album because of some of those factors kind of gets lost in the shuffle but I think it's the best Mini Vincent album. Mm-hmm. I love right. Mark Slaughter. I don't mind Robert Fleischman. I, I like Robert Fleischman. Let, let me rephrase that. I like Robert Fleischman. <laughs> right. uh, like, he's not going to hear about <laughs> But I, I do I do like All oh, Systems Go better. I do like Mark Slaughter and the band a little bit better. Uh, great songs like That Time of Year we mentioned. Uh, Ashes to Ashes, Let Freedom Rock. Ecstasy is such a cool weird ballad you know it's a it's just got some of that Vinny weirdness in there I, I once again i don't think either one was uh reached any kind of certification but i think over time um i'm not sure like so maybe you'll agree with me maybe you won't i just feel like the debut gets a lot of the attention and vinnie will never give any kind of credit to uh this album because of mark slaughter so
1: oh completely and is 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 there more of a lost soul than Benny Vincent. No. I mean, <laughs> look, look at what he's going through now. Every every time he tries to schedule something, he backs out. Yep. And the guy is so immensely talented. I mean, I mean, he, he's almost responsible for, for bringing Kiss back. I right. mean, he wrote some of their biggest songs when he was in the band. Yep, I agree. You know, he had the Benny Vincent in- Invasion, which had some great stuff. And man, I, I wish he would just get it together. But yeah, it's unfortunate that he disowns but I mean, look at the band. He had Bobby Rock on drums. Yeah. You know, Dana Strum and Mark Slaughter. I mean, that's a phenomenal band. I mean, I wish he could have kept that together me and too. and seen what they could have accomplished over a couple albums. Now, I mean, the, I, I guess I I do really like the Slaughter Stick It To You album. After that, they, they kind of lose me. Um. So I mean, you know, the fact that that BBI broke up, we did get that album. But yeah, it's unfortunate that the guy hasn't hasn't done more with his music career.
0: So just to
1: piggyback on that, um, I follow
0: uh, Robert Fleischman and, and message him back and forth every once in a while and I did see that he's like he told me that when I talked to him he's working on like an industrial type of an album which is kind of weird like why would you do industrial now right. I don't know about, right. that would have been cool like in the early 2000's I don't know about now yeah. but um, he's, doing, yeah. he's doing like a you know electronic type album which, which could be sure. cool but he said that he finished the vocals for the, the newest Vinnie Vincent Invasion album so there's something coming really? and he said that it was going to be October so I, we'll see if this all wow. happens but yeah kind, kind of exciting
1: Well, I mean, there's there's always a lot of promises and very little follow through (laughs) with with Vinny, but I you know I mean I hope it comes out because I mean you can't have you can't have too much music. So I mean, hey, release it, run it up the flagpole, see who salutes it. You know, I mean, I'll shoot if I can if I can get it online. I I don't know that I would. I'd want to hear a little bit before I was going to go out and buy it on vinyl or, or buy it on CD. But you know, I mean, the guy's obviously a talented songwriter. And I wouldn't
0: prepay for it either.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just like all those meet and greets where Vinny fucked
0: me over. <laughs> yep, it happened. Alright, brother.
1: I'm all thirteen. Okay. So I'm a huge warrant fan. Me too. Alright. Uh, I have I have two so- two Warrant songs tattooed on my arm. The very first video I did on my channel was, was a ranking of the Warrant albums. I've seen uh, you know, warrant with, with Janie, I, I bet thirty times, and and got to hang out with them, and and was was pulled on stage once, and in fact, it's on YouTube. Nice. Um, so so I have a huge history with Warrant and obviously for for two albums they were huge. You know, their DRFSR and Cherry Pie both go double platinum. Cherry Pie goes up to number seven on Billboard and and you may think right now that i'm probably going to talk about dog eat dog but i'm not i could i love dog eat dog but still that album i i think made it to gold yep but the album ultraphobic. From 1995 I feel is just so underrated now I'm gonna clear Ultraphobic is basically a grunge album mm-hmm. but it is good grunge I like grunge if it's done right so it didn't really sell it probably sold you know Ten copies, and I bought three of them. <laughs> um, I have stronger now from that song tattooed on my arm. It, it, you know, I remember an interview with Janie Lane. He said that he thought that was the best song he ever wrote. Well, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's another ballad on that album called High that maybe, maybe the best ballad he, you know, he ever he ever wrote. It's phenomenal. So you, you can't look at you can't look at it and expect. Another cherry pie, or another even doggy dog. It's not like that. But if you go into it with an open mind, um, it is a phenomenal. The lyrics are deep. Every song is catchy. Um, and 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 just to show where what warrant was dealing with, I remember when it was first coming out, and they released a single to a radio station, but did not put the band name on it. <laughs> and and rumor has it that the radio station loved it, started playing it, like it was this new grunge band, but as soon as they found out it was Warrant, they they pulled it. So that's what they were up against. The album, you know, uh, online, you know, on Twitter, there are a lot of people who love that album, but unfortunately it never got the shot that it deserved.
0: Yeah, um, I'll, I remember when this was released, and one of my friends was was big into it, and, and I I couldn't stand it. You know what I mean? I just I looked at it like weren't completely sold out because oh totally because I, I looked at Dog Eat Dog as being super creative and, and taking like yep. the hair metal uh, idea but just kind of making it more original and and more unique and I think that's what a lot of that I would have loved to have seen, this has come up a million times on this podcast, but I think we all would have loved to have seen the genre grow and evolve, just like uh, so many other bands during time have have been given that right to grow, Uh, these bands never were but, there is a but so when I say but, you know, when I go back, I really think the song Undertow is great, Uh, I think Uh Stronger Now is good, so I've come to appreciate this a little more, you know, in in recent years and the other thing, point that I'm just going to make, I'm glad that you've got some '90s albums. I I did only albums from the '80s because I feel like if I did, right. if I did, it, almost every single album would be from the '90s. Like I would, right. I would do Psycho, right. Schizophrenia, by Lillian X, or Doggy Dog, Winger, Pull. So I didn't touch any of those because I I feel like for me, I've talked about them a million times. But right. I'm glad that you did it. Because uh, that's a great one because yeah, you, I thought I thought you were gonna do Doggy Dog. I'm glad you did
1: um I, ultraphobic. I, I still remember I was pissed off the first time I heard ultraphobic. I'm like, why would you guys sell out like that? But it was it was a grower. You know, the first three or four listens, uh, it I was still like I was like, well, stronger now is very good. High's good. You know, I kinda like the song ultraphobic, but then just the more I listened to it. And, and 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 knowing what what happened to Janie Lane i mean how his life fell apart yep. you know you can say that it was an honest representation of what was going on in his life because a lot of those lyrics are really desperate and and he his life was was probably be, beginning to be in a desperate situation so you know if you if you want honesty in music ultraphobic is about as honest as you're going to get
0: The only thing that confuses me about this Whole era of music when I look at The CMC record releases You know they're they're trying to bring these Bands back and and, you know there's no way Like you said if it's warrant it's not Gonna fly it doesn't matter what it is And I never understood why these bands still Wanted to take a swing at like uh, Stardom and and success And and go grunge same thing with docking, you know What I mean because like you might as Well just appease your fans And do like a regular straight up Rock record you know so this was a confusing era for for all for the bands and for the fans but that was only i'm like why didn't these bands just kind of be themselves because it doesn't matter anyways
1: and and don't you think that later on eventually they did start realizing you know what it's not gonna work so so bands like winger bands like warrant i mean when they've released albums recently it does harken back to their earlier stuff
0: definitely but
1: for a while there uh, every you know and and i think you know if you look at history rolling stones did disco exactly you know kiss, kiss. did disco and and it worked you know i mean kiss had i was made for loving you so yes. so maybe they thought shit maybe people will will give it a shot well now i mean now we know that, that they could have written yesterday by the beatles and <laughs> nobody was going to put it on the radio nope, nope. and which is unfortunate but so so everybody gave it a shot and and maybe even for a couple albums, and and he, and finally they just said, you know what? Uh, let's go back to what we do best and what our original fans want.
0: So for my oh. 13, I I've got banjo and I've got the debut. Uh, wow. this is an album I think that totally gets disregarded, you know, because obviously Slippery When Wet is just like a monster. Oh, it sold 12 right. million copies, you know. this yeah. this it's, They claim that this sold a million copies, but I think it took a lot, a long time to do it, you know what I mean? I think once Bon right. Jovi got big, you know, then this album became uh, a million seller. But let's yep. face it, I mean, Bon Jovi was not very big for a while. For Between the first two albums, you know, they were openers and then this thing exploded. But I think yep. uh, out of all of that I think this is the album that gets lost in the shuffle the most out of the original run, you know, say from from here to maybe Keep the Faith, uh, but it's so good, man, you know, like it, it, it's songs like Roulette, Shot Through the Heart, Love Lies, I mean, I, I could list them all, they're, they're really good, I mean, obviously Runaway and, and, and She Don't Know Me are cool songs, but, uh, and this is an era that the band pays no mind to, you know, this band, let's face it, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like Bon Jovi can't sing really at all anymore, and, <laughs> Yeah. So he can't sing this kind of material, Ow. you know what I mean? And, they, and they've and they really just discard. You know, like you just talked about, like when Winger and Warren or Motley Crue or whatever try to do something newer now, they do try to harken back to some of their old stuff. Bon Jovi's the complete opposite. He never harkens back anymore right. to his old stuff. He, they can't do it. Um, he can't do it musically. The look, obviously, he, you know, he's he's... Gone gray. I'm not saying he's no. he's a bad-looking guy or anything. I'm just saying he he ain't gonna be pulling off the the '86 look. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh he's he's one of those artists that have moved on from this. And it's hard for us fans who love this kind of music and really dig that r- first run of albums. You know what I mean? That, he, that this is all just kind of like a, a memory. You know what I mean? It's it's toast. But um, yeah. I, I just think this one is one of those ones that just totally gets lost in the shuffle. I love it. I like talking about it, and
1: that's what I got. <laughs> I I did not expect that at all. I did not expect a a Bon Jovi album from you. Yeah. So I'm I'm impressed with that. And and you're right. You know, outside of I do I do, re, I do re, is she don't know me is on that right.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And 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 Runaway was and and I know that Bon Jovi they still do Runaway live, and and I think that's because that's the song that. Broke them, right. that, You know, enabled them to keep making albums. But you're, you're don't don't you don't you kind of think that John has always had this desire to be kind of another Bruce Springsteen totally. versus a heavy metal guy? Totally. Yep, I agree. So it, it seems to me that you know once the hair started getting shorter, and and you know, obviously he's he's gonna struggle to hit those notes. Um, you know, if you've seen recent live footage, man, it's it's kind of a sh- a shit show. Yeah, it's rough. You know h- how they're playing those. So I think he's he's going into his, okay. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the boss. You know, the boss junior, and I'm gonna <laughs> you know r- write these serious you know lighter songs and and that's that's the road I'm gonna go down. But but absolutely, I I I still I love Slippery When Wet. Mm-hmm. I still love New Jersey. Yep, and and around keep the faith they cut kind of, there was some good songs on that but they started to lose me a little bit yep and but yeah that first album I, I really that's another one that i need to go revisit because outside of those two songs i really have forgotten it
0: yeah and i think though the, the, a lot of the other uh deep tracks that i mentioned are even better for me for than those songs so i yeah i, I love jamming on that album
1: that's awesome That's that's a good call all right man number 12 number 12 okay um so in 1988 kicks released the album blow my fuse with platinum uh got to number 46 on billboard a couple great hits you know don't uh don't close your eyes and and one of my favorite songs of the of the of the genre uh cold blood um but in 91 they released Hotwire. And I think Hotwire is it's it's almost better than Blow My Fuse. And, you know, it came out July 9th of 91. So even at that time, Nirvana still hadn't come out. You know, Skid Row was going number one at that time. So but it was still it was it was right at the very end. But this album is so good. I mean, I'm just going to point out like songs that I think are easily up there with the best of Blow Your Fuse. Girl Money, Phenomenal, Loveaholic, Bump the La La, you know, which is uh, obviously gets up there with one of the best titles ever, too. And Same Jane. And then they had a, a great ballad called Tear Down the Walls. Uh, alas, you know, the, the album only goes up to number 64. It did sell 200,000 copies. You know, that, that's another, we were talking the other day about if some of these albums had come out in like 94, if this thing had come out in 94 uh it would have died and in fact they they did have an album come come out in 95 uh that was called show business that was actually really good and and, and it died but Hotwire is is right next to blow my fuse with my favorite uh kicks albums and and deserves so much better and you know it came out in 91 but still the the timing just wasn't right
0: yeah this is another one of those odd ones um and it kind of goes back to one of the ones that you mentioned before, where I remember hearing this. Uh, I remember loving "Blow My Fuse," and then this came out, and and because I'm not a big AC/DC guy, I think this album they were really, you know, showing their their AC/DC uh, oh, vibe, you yep. know. And I remember not digging this album when it came out, and then years later, I think I wanted. It might even be like not that long ago when I interviewed uh, Brian Forsyth you know, I went back and I listened to this album And, and I really did like it So it kind of grew on me And yeah, yep. he, I remember him telling the story of like You know, it was dead on arrival You know, the, the, nirvana yep. just came out And even the even their, the guy at their label told them They made the wrong album, you know, right after it got finished So that's got to be right. like demoralizing But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think um, all those songs you mentioned are great Especially Tear Down the Walls Super cool ballad Might even be better than Don't Close Your Eyes in some respects right. But uh, just c- couldn't get the credit
1: well I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow uh, follow up on because I, I think I remember thinking the same thing. I remember hearing this when it first came out and thinking I don't like it and maybe it was just because everybody said, well, you shouldn't listen to kicks and so I yep. put it away. But it was a couple of years ago that and it was probably a conversation on Twitter where somebody was talking <laughs> about this album and I thought, you you know what I, I'm gonna go revisit that because I really like blow my fuse. Can it be that bad? And went back and and gave it a couple listens, and those songs just started grabbing me. And I thought, damn, you know, for a lot of years I missed out on on a great album, and so yeah, d- deserved better. It sells two hundred thousand copies, and you know, these days bands would you know cut off their cut off something important to sell two hundred thousand <laughs> yes. albums. So you, you know, I mean, back then it's it's a failure. You know, nowadays you you'd be happy with that, but man, it, it's a Great album, full of catchy songs. Got got a great ballad that, that could have been a big hit if it had come out earlier. So yeah, kicks hot wire. You know, go, go check it out if you haven't.
0: Okay, number twelve. You down, so you can see. You down, this one me. is like universally despised by everybody, and I'm gonna fight like hell for it. Awesome. Uh, Freely's comment, second sighting. Um, This (laughs) album gets this crap on, man, all the time. All you ever hear is that you know Todd Howarth took over and Ace, you know, sucked on this or whatever it is. But I don't know, man. I I, I love this album I think I like it now More than I ever have And I get the first one You know Into the Night Is great Rock Soldiers Is great Breakout Is cool I mean there's some Cool moments But I think overall I'll challenge anybody You go through that album And tell me what songs Are really superior You know On that Besides You know The singles Obviously Ace's 1978 album Trump's all Right That thing is like Freaking legendary It's the greatest album Ever made You know According to Everyone online but um, So this is one of those ones where, you know, it just kind of gets bagged on a lot. I don't really get it. Now, neither of these were huge sellers. The debut doesn't appear to be uh, certified. This isn't certified. So, they, you know, they probably sold kind of comparable. But I think um, and th- what I try to do with this one, Anthony, when I go back, I do remember kind of being like more of an Ace Freely guy than a Todd Howworth guy, right? I mean, this is right. Freely's comment. You know, so I think maybe I wasn't the biggest fan of him when I was a kid. I think when I go back though and I listen to him, I just I can't discredit this guy's talent. You know what I mean? Sure. It's over now. Fallen Angel, there's a lot of cool songs that he does and I think the songs that Ace Uh, Does as well are great I I mean I challenge anybody to tell me the song Insane isn't a cool song That was the first single It's freaking catchy as hell It's just straight up ace It's awesome And I I even like some of the goofy songs Like Separate and Juvenile Delinquent and All that kind of stuff I don't know I think I I actually like Second Sighting Better than uh, the the debut Freely's Comet That's just me People are probably booing as they listen to this But it is what it is man I'm a Second Sighting guy
1: Okay I, uh, And the reason that I laughed is is I just read an article from Ultimate Classic Rock talking about how Second Sighting was such a shit show <laughs> uh, after the, the debut. And, you know, the fact that Howworth took over, you know, I mean, they, they wanted Ace to be the singer, you know, and yeah. but I mean... On record, Ace can sound pretty good. When you see him live, you start to realize, like, hey, he might need somebody else to sing some of these songs. Right, right. So it's, it's. I, I'm not you know. And and I think Todd Howard is is phenomenal. So yeah, that's a, that's another album that I'm gonna need to go re- revisit. Um, but you know, isn't it strange how when the solo albums came out? I mean, Ace's was the number one seller. I mean, yep. people would have thought that shoot ace was gonna have a huge career but you know he took so long to release his his solo albums and you know so i think i think that hurt him but uh yeah second sighting that's uh that's that's one that i'm gonna need to go check out again
0: you know and another point you know you got to think about as kiss fans go back and and how many songs did ace ever really have on a kiss album okay for the longest time he didn't have any then he might have had one and then once he got big for dynasty and uh and unmasked, uh, he might have had three. But, you know, he's not a lead singer. You know what I mean? He's got a cool oh, voice. Nice. He's kind of like a character singer. He's not like a great singer. So I think to have him do like a, a Paul and Gene type of a thing with Todd Howworth makes complete sense. So to, to think Ace is going to sing all these songs and write all these songs for somebody who's only contributed a few songs to each album that he's ever done, it's kind of unrealistic, really.
1: Oh, some of the some of the best Kiss songs are Ace songs. I yep. mean, Shock Me is one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, Kiss songs of all time. A Rocket Ride is yep. is phenomenal, Great but song. Ace's voice is very limited. You yep. are Ace isn't going to sing a ballad, nope. and he isn't going to sing a rock song that stretches the boundaries of where the voice can go. It's got to be middle of the road, and and when the song is like that, Ace can can do it and do it well, but. But you know you're limited, so he needs somebody else to pick up the slack. Because in the '80s, you needed some some higher songs. You know, you needed the, the occasional ballad, and just Ace wasn't going to go there.
0: Nope. All right, buddy, what do you got for eleven?
1: Okay, um, Brittany Fox. Yeah. Uh, Brittany Fox, "Bite Down Hard" is is my next choice. So, their self titled album in '88 has "Girls School" on it it goes to number 39 on billboard it goes gold um boys in heat comes out and the band starts to fall apart dizzy dean davidson leaves the band you know and i and i thought boys boys in heat was was a solid album there was some good songs on there love it but but you would have thought that that britney fox was going to die and instead they they get a guy named tommy paris comes into the band. And they release an album on March 27th and 91 called Bite Down Hard. And Bite Down Hard might be my favorite release of the three, of at least those first three Britney Fox albums. You know, they it, and and it came out before the grunge revolution. It was, like I said, March in 91. They had a phenomenal ballad with Look My Way. They had a lot of AC, kind of an ACDC influence you no know, six guns loaded shot from my from my gun louder was was great they had a cover song midnight moses uh that was that was really good this there is very little filler on this album uh you know again i i don't think it even got into the top 200 on billboard so there's no kind of certification but tommy paris's vocals on that album are, are just uh, you know a uh, Another level, and and I wish they—that's another one. I wish they could have released a couple more albums and seen how they could have grown. But bite down hard, you know, d- deserved better. And and I and I think Britney Fox. I mean, they they had a knack for writing catchy, catchy rock songs, and and bite down hard had that, but it just uh, it you know it, it failed as far as uh, sales wise.
0: I'm with you. I like that album a lot. I'm a big Britney Fox fan. Everybody knows that, so uh, I'll just I'll just leave it there. I'm with you. That's a great album. Yep. Yep. Uh,
1: what do you
0: right, got? Number eleven. I'm going with Striper. Uh, In God We Trust. And I think this is probably the most fitting example that we've maybe we've had out of any of them because the mammoth to hell with the devil, right? Oh man. Multiple. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a couple million. Or maybe it's just a million. Um, And then this comes out, and it just doesn't do as well. You know what I mean? I think this was gold. So probably looked at as a failure sales-wise. And there's another thing about this album. And when I talked to Michael Sweet, I asked him, and he actually admitted it. This album is a cookie... I can't talk. It is a cookie-cutter wannabe, for the most part, of To How With The Devil. You know, they did... Want to replicate the success? If you look at it, right. the first song is the title track. You know, the second song is the is the is the single. Then right. when you get to the fourth song, it's the ballad. You know, they're, they're str- you could go right down and actually even where the heavier songs are, everything is exactly the same. That being said, um, I do like it quite a bit. I, I actually liked it quite a bit when it came out. I think I might like it even more now. The the one thing that separates it, so you to, to say it's a complete clone, you can't really do it because this album has got a lot more of a crisp, clean production. I think this one even might be a little bit more poppier um, than the uh, album that's before it. And and I dig that, man. So I, I dig the title track, Keep the Fire Burning, uh, World of You and I, and the song Lonely, man, is such a uh, lost track toward the end of the album. It's, it's a power ballad. But um,
1: right.
0: I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of it. I think it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And here's here's where we talk about like when it's sandwiched in between dis, in, in between something because "To Hell with the Devil" is a giant success. To, uh, "In God We Trust" is kind of like you know okay whatever. And then "Against <laughs> the Law" has the distinction of being like striper becomes bad boys you know what i mean right and and people are in love that we want to talk about internet fandom i mean that album didn't do shit but now everybody claims that to be their favorite striper album so 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 if you look at a huge album like the hell with the devil uh you know internet legend uh, against the law you know uh, it gotta be trust has no chance
1: right I, i just so on my on my twitter account hair metal guru I'm um, just kidding. I, so I post a lot of old, you know, ads from, from old magazines, but I just ran a, came across an ad for the Against the Law album. Mm. And, you know, there's cigarettes on the table and things <laughs> that you just would, would not have seen from an older Striper album. Right. And and you're right, that uh, To Hell with the Devil was so huge. and But it's it's not surprising that... that it is so hard to make it in the music industry. I mean, I, you know, I've never been in a band, but but you know, there are a million bands out there, especially during the eighties. Yep. So when you come up with something that works, it doesn't surprise me, you know, that that an album, you know, a band comes up with, okay, here's our, here's our uh, us against the world rock song. Here's the, I, I miss you <laughs> ballad, yeah. you, you, you know, you're gonna follow what works. And so that Michael Sweet and, and I, just, I follow Michael Sweet on Facebook, and, and the dude seems like such a good guy, so, yeah. you know, I, I root for Striper, but, you know, it, it's it's easy to see why some of these bands, they find a formula that works, they, they copy it, and unfortunately, you know, the, the, the replication doesn't always, you know, work sales-wise, no. but, you know. All right, buddy. Number 10. All right. So, here's a band that I know we're both gonna agree on, and... They they never made they never had an album that that got what it deserved, and that band is Lillian Axe. Yeah. Oh, so both of us are are huge fans. So I, I'm gonna say for for the sake of of the internet popularity, Love and War is probably the album that that a lot of people online. Uh, you you know would say deserved better there were some phenomenal singles you know it was out on a major label MCA which you know music cemetery of America because they (laughs) fucked that album over big time Um, but in in January of 92 they come out with an album called Poetic Justice on IRF Grand Slam records, and 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 actually, I'm going to point, that album was was just re released on vinyl, and it's nineteen dollars on Amazon. So Steve Blaze, you owe me for, for <laughs> not bad. This yeah, out there we go. You. There we go. And 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 actually, Psycho Schizophrenia also re released on vinyl. So I just bought both of them. But that you, you know it, the album probably didn't didn't stand a chance. But but they were really hurt. I feel. By by releasing the a cover of the Badfinger song, no matter what, is a first single. Now I really like that cover. Me too. I think it's a great song, but I I, I think they had better. True believer, Oof. which I, was that released as a single. I don't. It, it
0: might have been released to radio, but there was no video.
1: Right. So true believer, I think, is an amazing, uh, single that the band wrote they had one of my favorite songs on that album is a song called dying to live mm-hmm. and the lyrics to that. I mean, I, 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 get goosebumps right now just thinking about it. And when you hear that, the note that Ron Taylor hits at the end of that song, um, I I'm just like, like that song deserves so much better. They, they had a phenomenal ballad on there called see you someday. Yep. And, and so Ron Taylor, um, bless your heart. When I was when I was in Iraq in 2003, I, I did an interview on on Metal Sludge, and Ron Taylor emailed me and and we chatted a little bit, and and so that that guy's voice just you know it deserved to be heard by millions of people, and that album you know de- deserved more than it got, but. You know, so I I don't I don't know if it's as big online as as love and war, and I know psycho schizophrenia gets a lot of love, mm-hmm. um, but poetic justice, uh, man, I mean I just love that band. That band did no wrong for four albums, and oh. I love poetic justice.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, kind of going back to some similar themes that have happened we've talked about but i remember being uh drinking the kool-aid with love and war back in 89 you know what I mean? like i just thought lillian x just kept getting better and better and i couldn't wait to see what the next album was going to be like and i, I think in, in, when it came out in 92 i've I got to admit i was slightly disappointed because i i just i don't know it just wasn't connecting with me at first and maybe it was a little bit deeper than where i was mentally at that point i might have been only like right. 16 years old or so i don't even know how right. old i was but i don't know it just the album did not connect with me completely for a while as I got older, and my love for Lillian X kept getting stronger and stronger, I, yeah, I love this album. This album's a masterpiece. It, it is the perfect album to follow Love and War. Uh, all the songs that you mentioned are great. I, I'm a big fan of, of the whole thing. So, yeah, no, definitely one that does not get enough credit. I may mention another album of theirs that doesn't get enough credit here as we get going. But, um, yeah. Okay but right, yeah no you're right, right. the the not a, not that it's a big seller but the legendary album on the internet chatter is definitely love and war
1: 100 Oh, absolutely and oh. you and you know the band is still out there doing it but they seem to go through singers like crazy it's it's unfortunate that that ron taylor doesn't come back and but you, you know i mean people change yeah. but man i i just i love his voice and and i would love to hear more from him
0: yeah me too great great singer All right, number 10. This one shouldn't really be surprising. It's got a lot of mixed feelings. I think a lot of people listen to this album with their eyes instead of their ears. I'm going to go with Ozzy, Ultimate Sin. Okay. Uh, Ozzy doesn't even like this album. And, uh, And I think it's much better than Bark at the Moon. Uh, I think, once again, this is the one that gets lost in the shuffle because, you know, Bark at the Moon, the song, and everything is so huge. Obviously, those first albums with Randy Rhodes have their own legendary status. Uh, Zach Wilde enters into the fold uh, with uh, No Rest for the Wicked. And then, obviously, No More Tears is where Ozzy just became like a commercial... Juggernaut, you know what I mean, and yep. I think this is an album that completely just gets lost in the shuffle. Ultimate Sin and Shot in the Dark were great singles, but I think the deep tracks kick ass too, man. Like Secret Loser and uh, Lightning Strikes. Thank God for the Bomb Killer of Giants. Um, and basically, when we look at it, it was you know it was a slight failure because I think uh, it looks like Bark at the Moon was like a three million, and then this was a two million. You know what I mean? So I feel like even okay. though and, and let's face it, I got into music in '86, like metal music, and this was yep. like the first Ozzy album I ever bought. So it's always going to be. <laughs> I had the album cover T-shirt. I, I was in. man. Yeah. So that this is my Ozzy, you know. And I don't really care what anyone else says. So right, I'm out.
1: White drop. <laughs> <Okay>. Right, right. <laughs> oh, I, well, and and I, I, I was never a huge Ozzy fan until No More Tears, and and I still think the guitar sound on that album it's just phenomenal, but Dude, I'll be honest. Since No More Tears, Ozzy has lost me totally. Uh, I, I, I he seems to be just phoning it in, and you know he's gonna he's gonna live off that album and his '80s albums, but everything he's done since then is just to me filler. Um, so I need to go revisit that that album because it's it's been a while. You know, I still listen to the the Randy albums, and I yep. still listen to No More Tears. So I'm gonna have to revisit that. Good call
0: and. I forgot to mention it's got the great guitar work of Jake E. Lee. Badlands. Who ended up in Badlands? Hey, Fish. <laughs> hey, Fish. Badlands. probably oh. <laughs> ninety four. I do nothing to do with anything. But, okay. Uh, all right, man. Let's hear your number nine.
1: Okay. So I really struggled with this one, um, because, okay, well, I'm. It's it's Crocus, and the <laughs> okay. album is Heart Attack.
0: So, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a, so, that's a long.
1: Yes, they so they had you know Headhunter in 1983 went gold. It went to number 25 on Billboard. Um, they had another another album that I don't you know. I think they had two gold albums in the 80s. So then, but they start struggling, and you know sales dwindling. So in in 88 March 25th, out comes heart attack, and I feel like it is an album where they were just trying to write hits. Like, they were saying, okay, here's a formula. We're going to have ACDC-ish guitar, and we're going to have, you know, like, here's some song titles. Everybody Rocks, Rock and Roll Tonight, Axe Attack, Wild Love. And so I feel like they were trying to fit a formula, but it was a formula that was super catchy. Um, You know, it's it's really ACDC-flavored, but, hey, I mean, you know i know i know you're not a huge acdc fan but <laughs> i love acdc i love i think starachi uh mark starachi I, I think i'm pronouncing that right uh has a has a great voice and in fact probably a lot of people know that he was considered for the acdc job after bon scott died you know and mm-hmm. and i don't know if he was offered it and turned it down because of because of Crocus, which if you did that, Mark, man, you, you fucked up. You're a dipshit. Uh, <laughs> you
0: dipshit.
1: But you know, so so Crocus had some success in the '80s. You know, n- not huge. Couple albums go gold, and and Heart Attack it all, it made it up to '87 on Billboard. But it's it's catchy. It's it may it may have followed a formula, but that formula sounds great, and and, and you should you know if you haven't checked that album out, give it a shot.
0: You know it was weird. I remember kind of liking that album. Toward you know it was because that was that was like '88, right? That album. Yep. Yeah, I remember liking it. I remember like the look got better. You know, they tried to look like everybody else. Like like the right. singer your head, a little bit long. Instead of that weird fro, he had like longer hair. Yep. <laughs> you know What I mean. So yeah,
1: yep. they were they were swinging for the fences. They were trying. It, wasn't it, it, it like Loverboy, Helix, Crocus? These these. Good, Really good rock bands, but they had shorter hair. <laughs> yes. and, and they really struggled with that In as the 80s moved on. And, and suddenly you could not have short hair no. and, and be a rock star. That was not cool. All
0: right, yep. and number nine, um, I've got Loudness. What album could I possibly put? What do you think it is?
1: Loudness. Uh, well, it can't be... The what, what is that thunder? What, what's the thunder album called? Oh,
0: thunder uh, thunder in the east is their biggest one, I mean, obviously.
1: It, that, that's the biggest one, yep. so it can't be that one. It's, it's got a soldier of fortune. You know, I wanted to do soldier of fortune. <laughs> I've <I'm> talked about, <laughs> for, uh, about soldier of fortune until I've been blue in
0: the face, so I, I tried to avoid soldier of fortune. Uh, okay, I'm going to talk about lightning strikes. Okay. I love this album. I love Lightning Strikes, and this is another one of those growers where, like, over time, it just like I keep listening to it, and I'm finding all these little interesting, you know, guitar parts, and, and I, the whole band just kicks ass. And um, and I think you well, you you nailed it. You like it can't be Thunder in the East. So obviously, in America, for us Americans, if we think about loudness, that's the first thing that comes to mind yep. is the yep. uh, Thunder in the East. Uh, Hurricane Eyes was, was a real dud, and, and I definitely don't care for that album. At least Soldier Fortune has the distinction of, the, you know, they brought in the American singer, they brought in Mike Vissera. But I do think Lightning Strikes just kind of gets swept under the rug, and it just doesn't get talked about enough. Um, I, I actually probably like Lightning Strikes better than Thunder in the East. I, I think they were really? really growing as musicians. Um, I even dig "Let It Go." Like I know they're trying real hard to be like as as American as possible, but, right. but uh, it's a cool song. Uh, "Dark Desire," "Ashes in the Sky." Then they do. Uh, there's one song. Who knows? It sounds. It's got a lot of Iron Maidenish type, uh, you know, riffing and and the bass and the drums all kind of doing like a Maiden thing. Um, "Street Life," "Dream," and then there's this. The last song is "Complication." A lot of weird timing and stuff. But I, I, I'm just always impressed by the musicianship of loudness between the drummer, the bass player, and Akira on guitar. Now, the singer, I mean, you know, he's it fits. It's kind of like, you know, he's got that charm, you know what I mean? You know it's loudness when he's singing, um, right. but I think it's the, the really the other musicians that carry loudness, and I think they're just firing on all cylinders, very creative, weird timing, and it's just an album that doesn't get talked about enough, so lightning strikes, that's what I got.
1: Yeah, you know, Thunder in the East is probably the only album that I really know well. Um, the other day, I did listen to Soldier of Fortune after you had you had we had chatted about them on yeah, Twitter, yeah. And and I enjoyed that, so I'm gonna need to go go listen to this one because honestly, I I couldn't even tell you one song on that album, but you know, that's a, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting choice. So I'm really gonna because. I was just trying to think. Do I, do I know a song on that? And I don't. <laughs> you probably don't. So you probably don't. I'm gonna have to go check it out. You
0: gotta check it out. That's why we. That's why we do this. All that's right. why we're doing this. Number eight. Okay,
1: so um, you know, there, there's a lot of bands in, in the '80s that started off big and they and they declined with each record. And this this band's maybe the epitome of that. And I'm talking about rap. Yeah. So the first album out of the cellar goes goes triple platinum. Then there's Invasion of Your Privacy, I think, went double platinum. And then I think the next two went platinum. So you get to 1990's Detonator. Hey, away. It's there and you can tell that the band is desperate. You know, they, they're like, man, you know, we keep losing sales. We got to try something new because they brought they brought in... The guy to turn around an album, Desmond Child, Desmond. as a as a co-songwriter, they did that. They brought in Diane Warren, Diane Warren of Aerosmith, "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing," and all these huge ballads. and And I just wonder, I I want to hear the first time like Diane Warren listened to Stephen Piercy's voice and thought, "What the fuck? How am I gonna <laughs> write something for this guy?" But they succeeded because the song giving yourself away is a phenomenal ballad uh it it should have been a hit and they also had some some rock songs that i think you know really held up versus some of their earlier stuff uh much poppier one step away very a very pop rock song um heads i win tails you lose and I think loving you is a dirty job and shame, shame, shame were, we're singles al- along with uh, giving yourself away. But, you know, I, I don't the, the album does not measure up to invasion or or the debut. But there is some great catchy rock songs. There's a great rock bat or great rock ballad. And, and the album came out in 1990. So, you know, I mean, Poison, had flesh and blood that year. warranted had cherry pie, so it's not like I mean the the timing was right, but it just you know I'm sure uh, now I'm gonna uh, King uh, Robin Crosby, you know was falling into his heroin addiction. Yep. I, I think he was really struggling, and and I'm just I'm a huge Rat fan, but if you ever rat, watch uh, videos of Rat or Stephen Piercy live, I to be honest Stephen. Piercey's voice is is shit live, but on on record it sounds cool as hell. So I I think that might have had something to do with their you know popularity declining. Is you know Rat wasn't a band who was going to go out and sound like the record, but Detonator uh, some great songs. You know could could have been much bigger. I think it did go gold, but you know at that time they they've had four platinum albums, so you know it didn't live up to you know what it should have.
0: You know. A lot of thoughts crossed through my mind as you were talking about this album. I, I, I enjoy this album. I don't, like I said, don't think it's their greatest by any means, but I think it's got some good stuff on it. And they were definitely trying, and you made up a great point, like, why was this not big, but Flesh and Blood and um, Cherry Pie were? And then I was starting to think, well, did people just look at as Rat as kind of like old hat or old timers? But then Motley Crue, just the year before, came out about the same time as Rat and, and have a huge album. So, I, yeah, you just don't know. For some reason, just people didn't connect with it. But I totally dig that later Era of the '80s and early '90s when you when you'd look at Reach for the Sky and Detonator, I think those are right. super cool albums. I may mention one of them myself here shortly. Uh, okay,
1: so I, I feel bad for bashing on Steven's voice. I mean, Stephen, he, he's that guy's a rocker through and through. He's still releasing albums. Yeah. He's still touring, and and his voice live was was much better back in the day. But you know, I mean, give the guy props for man, he's still out doing it, and so so I, I salute him.
0: Definitely. All right, number eight. I gotta mention my boys, Judas Priest, and uh, I'm gonna go with Ram It Down, man. I don't think I, I don't
1: I was think hoping it was gonna be Ram.
0: <laughs> I, you know, and I think if you look back, this is another one of those ones that are sandwiched in between some uh, interesting albums. You know, Turbo. A lot of people have mixed emotions on it, but it was a big seller. It sold a million copies. Um, and then if you look at Painkiller. I don't know what Painkiller sold. I don't think I looked at that one. But it probably only went gold if I had to take a guess. But it's got the distinction of being one of their best albums ever, heaviest albums oh, right. ever. So Ram It Down kind of doesn't have a chance, you know what I mean? Uh, we, you and I talked about this uh, on Twitter it was Johnny Be Good. And a lot of people cannot stand Johnny Be Good. It's probably a horrible choice for a single. I, I like it. I know you like it, too. But I think yep. we, we set the tone off kind of weird when we, we start the, the release with that out, you know, the videos with that uh, song. Because uh, there's yep. so many other great songs. I mean, Ram It Down's a great fast rocker, heavy metal, I'm a rocker, hard as iron. I mean, let's not forget a Blood Red Skies. I mean, like I just dig the whole friggin' thing, man. I, I really do love this album. Uh, weird thing about this album... Um, a, it wasn't promoted properly. I mean, to have one single, I don't know what the hell... You know what I mean? That's right. That was kind of unheard of in 88. So why right. big band like Judas Priest giving them one single? And a lot of this was leftover stuff from Turbo. Turbo uh, was supposed to be a double album. It was supposed to be called uh, Twin Turbos or something like that. And there was going to be a more poppier album and then a more harder album as part of a double album. And that got scrapped. So a lot of the stuff was kind of hanging around... But uh, this one is kind of, I said, it gets kind of sandwiched between two pretty interesting albums in Priest's uh, catalog, so it just doesn't get enough love. If you haven't heard it in a while, go back, because I, I really dig all these songs. I, I, like I said, I can listen to the whole thing all the way through, no problem. Um, I am kind of a Priest guy, so that's probably why I like okay. it no matter what. But I dig it. I dig this
1: album. Ram Down is, is one of those that I know I, I bought from BMG again, and I remember my mom because I had to have her, you know, I was a teenager, and so she had to sign off on me, buy, and she saw the name Judas Priest, and she thought I was getting into devil's music, <laughs> which I think is hilarious now. Um, but I, I love, I, I still love their cover of Johnny Be Good. I hate when bands just try to copy the song exactly. That does right. nothing for me. Yep. But they made that song their own, and Hallford's vocals on it are the guitar riff and and you know it was actually it was it was the soundtrack for a movie called Johnny Good with Anthony Michael Hall and you know I think that movie kind of bombed I (laughs) liked it as a kid I thought it was hilarious but yeah that's that album deserved better and and um, you know it a lot more if, if I if I'm right A lot less keyboards, a lot more heavy guitar than the previous album. Am I right on that? Yeah, way way heavier album
0: uh, than um, uh, Turbo. But another thing, too, is I I think, like, Halford's voice, this is where his voice is in prime form. Not that he still doesn't sound great today, but I think that late 80s, he was just, a lot of the singers were really shining in the late 80s, and he was one of
1: them. Absolutely. All right, man. What do you got for seven? Okay, um... I'm going to go with the band Helix. Uh, So good old Canadian metal. They had a real, not a real, they're kind of comparable to Crocus. They had a couple albums in the early 80s. They had one called Walking the Razor's Edge that almost went gold. It had, you know, maybe maybe their biggest song called Rock You, sold 400,000 copies. But I'm going to talk about the album Wild in the Streets. It came out in 1987. and, And here's another, you know, One of those bands that that didn't look like the typical 80s hair metal glam band and they kind of struggled to fit in as the 80s went on but this album had some huge songs and uh, wild in the streets never gonna stop the rock what you bring into the party and high voltage kicks all ac dc tinged hard rock that i think is is great and then they had a really surprising ballad they covered the Nazareth song Dream On and and it they do a phenom and, and probably part of the reason I really loved it is because I had never heard the Nazareth version. So when, when I heard this, I thought it was a Helix song. But it's a great cover and and you know, I, I think the, the album went gold in, in Canada, but to to go gold in Canada if your mom and your sister buy it, it goes gold. <laughs> So it didn't do anything in America. I think it went to 179 on Billboard, but you know, catch super catchy album and and great ballad that that could have been a hit. You know, didn't do anything, but yeah, Helix wild in the streets.
0: Yeah, that's a band I never got into. I had no knowledge of of this album. I mean, I, I think there is like one big Helix song that everybody knows, but I can't for the life of me think of what it is. Do you know what it is?
1: Did it rock you? Give me an R. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I it. I think okay. that's the big. Song. That's gotta be it. Yeah, that's that is what it yep. is. So yeah, never been a big fan. So I guess I'll I'll just stay quiet and maybe I'll have to go back and, and check you out have some stuff. to go check stuff. it out, man. Definitely. All right, number seven. This is where my Lillian Axe pops up, but it's not going to be the one you mentioned, and it's not going to be Love and War because we've already uh, set the ground rules that that's probably their you know biggest. Not that they have a big album, but that's their that's right. their most legendary one. But I'm gonna go with the self-titled debut. Album. I think this album is so underrated. You know, um, honestly, I I don't care what anybody says. I think this is a, an easier listen uh, than than probably Love and War. I think Love and War is great. Shows a lot of depth, and they go in a lot of weird places. But uh, the debut is more consistent. It just kind of hovers in that same kind of a lane. The only song that gets kind of epic on this one is probably Waiting in the Dark. But um, the rest of it is all just straightforward rock stuff. And, you know, what can I say? Misery Loves Company. Wait, you know, uh, inside, oh, I love that song. Yeah, Inside Out. And, of course, the ballad. Nobody knows. How that wasn't a big oh. single, I don't yes. know. Uh, but like I said I won't talk too much About these guys Because I feel like I've, I've said so much about them But uh, I love this album And like I said It's probably It's tough. Def- well I love the first four What can I say I could say yeah. it's a go to But I kind of go to All of them But I think right. I do think the debut Is not appreciated enough uh, and, and you mentioned Poetic Justice I don't think that's Appreciated enough I do think Love and War Kind of gets all the attention But uh, if you haven't Listened to the debut In a long time Go back Check it out
1: I, I dropped a uh, hundred bucks, probably six months ago, buying that the the self-titled debut and Love and War on vinyl. Nice. Uh, eBay and and I probably got three copies each of the CD. I mean, I, I just uh, that that band deserves so much better. And 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 hey, there's a Rat connection. Yep. With that album, because produced by Robin Crosby.
0: For sure. All
1: right. Yep. Number Great s- choice. number six okay well you brought up one of the biggest bands of the 80s with bon jovi well i'm gonna bring up the other biggest band of the 80s and that's death leopard yeah and you know pyromania and hysteria both go 10 times platinum (laughs) and and i still love pyromania hysteria has not aged well but i'm going to talk about high and dry from 1981 and you know it's not it's it's, it's been certified two times platinum, but I, I think a lot of that is just because when Pyromania blew up, everybody went back and said, hey, let's check out this other album. And, you know, it was High and Dry was also produced by Mutt Lang, who did Pyromania and Hysteria. Um, it did, you know, originally it went to number 38 on, on Billboard, but some of their best songs, Bringing On The Heartbreak, uh, which you know, and actually ended up getting re-released once Pyromania started getting huge because I think everyone knew that was, you know, just a phenomenal song. Let it go, uh, another hit and run, and what was the the other one that I was? Oh, there's there's so many great songs. So um, I think I think Let It Go, which is the opener. That's the song where Joe finally you know he found his upper register and. You know, that, that dropped the panties back in the 80s, and, and I'm talking about my panties that were the ones dropping because that is a phenomenal album, and, and to me, I, I easily like it better than Hysteria, and it's right up there with Pyromania.
0: Nice. Um, I'm never, I, I profess this a lot of times, not a huge Death Leopard guy, but I do like a lot of the songs that you mentioned. I, I know those songs, and yeah, definitely. I mean, but you can't escape the those giant shadows of Pyromania and Hysteria. So high and dry, probably the debut as well. They're just albums that totally get lost in the shuffle.
1: Right, exactly. Yep. What do you got next? All right,
0: ho oh, Rat. We talked about Rat. Oh. And uh, they're coming up again. Uh, it's the album before the one that you uh, mentioned, Detonator, and it's Reach for the Sky. You want. Are- this album I, I just always have uh, i i feel like a broken record on some of these because i feel like i've talked about them before but uh you know don't bite okay the man hand you're in. bringing a new spin yeah there we go so you know obviously there's some good singles i want a woman and way cool jr are pretty cool but i think it's the deeper tracks for me that uh that really get me you know don't bite the hand that feeds you what's it gonna be um what I'm after. That's I think that's like one of the I think that's the last song. And for some reason, like I was on this kick a few months ago where I would only listen to like the last three songs on this album because I had like I because usually, you know, you know the deal, man. Uh, all these 80s albums are filled up with the real good stuff at the beginning and then the fillers kind of like toward the end, you know, but I think with this album, I really dig the songs that that end this album and, you know, this was, as you had mentioned with Detonator that might have been a gold, this was only a million, I feel like, uh, like Dawkins and Rat and all these guys, they could have put out the biggest piece of crap and at least it would still go a million. You know, they'd always at least get the million. Right. So uh, that just right. shows you how big uh, this genre and this movement was. But, uh, yeah, I think Reach for the Sky this guy totally gets forgotten. It's all you ever hear about is Out of the Cellar, An Invasion of Your Privacy. But, um, yeah, I think this one and Detonator are cool albums. It's a cool era. Should be talked about more.
1: I, I'm going to be honest. I do not like Way Cool Jr., that intro and those like I don't know is there horns in it yeah, or something? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, that just loses me. But I love the song "I Want a Woman." I I and and you know that I think that you know that title is so 1980s, and now <laughs> I'm like, oh, but it's so catchy. But um, you know, I I just got last week that that the new wrapped vinyl box set, and I I don't even really listen to to vinyl. I mainly listen online but I'm just a I'm a collector so I like to buy shit like that just to have so I, I just got that there's some cool extras in it and and it makes me want to go back and so I need to check out some of those deep tracks that you're talking about you because yeah you know that's that's rat rat is to me that's just a cool band I mean those guys and Motley Crew I mean that they, they, they're and even quiet Riot, shoot they're, they're the guys that started this genre in, in my opinion and so you know i i like to support those bands number five okay well uh this is a band that has been around for a super long time way before they got famous and it's twisted sister so in 1984 they put out stay hungry it goes to number 15 triple platinum a couple of huge singles and and to me, Twisted Sister and Quiet Riot, the, the, their paths really seem kind of intertwined. Yep. They got they 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 both kind of languished in obscurity for a long time. They both have this huge album that you know, not that they were you know cheesy, but you know, we're not gonna take it. Was obviously just a teenage-driven song, and come on, feel the noise, which and I love both of those songs, but. The, the, the albums right afterwards really dropped off You know, maybe got close to platinum and then the, both bands just kind of disappeared I, I, they seem to follow the same track but the album I'm going to talk about is You Can't Stop Rock and Roll mm. and it's before Stay Hungry uh, it did go gold but I, I feel like it kind of like high and dry that once Stay Hungry got big people said hey let's go check out this album before it but the kids are back I am, I'm me, uh, and, and and the title track You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Man, th- th- to me those are be- that's those songs are better than We're Not Gonna Take It or I Wanna Rock. Um, you know, there there is I don't know if there's a ballad on there or not, you know. So Stay Hungry had the price, which I, I do think is a great ballad. Mm-hmm. But man, you know, D Snyder's just a, a force of nature. Um, the band was hungry, you know, they still hadn't made it yet Um, this album goes, you know, like I said, goes to number 130 goes gold You know, they're, they're gonna blow up the next year with stay hungry But some of their best songs are are on you can't stop rock and roll
0: You know, I haven't listed this album in a long time, but I always liked all their albums, you know under the blade this uh, Yep, come out and play is kind of cheesy, but there's a couple good ones I almost thought you were going to say Love is for Suckers. I really thought you were going to do Love is for Suckers. Um, Okay. And that's another one where I think it starts off real strong, um, kind of like we are talking about with some albums. They packed everything really good in the beginning, and then it goes to total shit. But cool, man. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Nice.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah.
0: Here's one I always love to talk about. Scorpion's Savage Amusement. Ah. Uh, This is an album that totally gets lost in the shuffle. A lot of people aren't fans of it. I, once again, I think they're looking with their eyes, you know, the, everything, you know, or at least the way that album comes across with like the the blue and the pink and and you know, the, and then maybe the way they tried to dress on this album. Um, obviously, when you're sandwiched between Love at First Sting, which is a mammoth album, and ultimately yep. Crazy World became a mammoth album uh, with, with yep. Wind of Change. So, to me. I'd listen to this album all day before I touch either of those two. That's how strong that's how passionate really? I am about it. I love this album. Don't stop at the top, media overkill, passion rules the game, uh, believe in love's a great ballad, you know. Um, I think this one is one of those a lot of these it's a it took a 3 to 1 ratio. So 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 uh, love it first thing. It goes 3 million, this goes 1 million. So um, you know, one thing I, I haven't mentioned about some of these things, you know, probably what it needed was a super cool like lead off track that was something like rock you like a hurricane and they didn't have it you know what i mean they just didn't have it but um it, i love this album and i i definitely think it smokes crazy world not a big fan of crazy world so um i think this is kind of the last album for scorpions run that kind of feels like the old stuff that goes you know i feel like you go love drive to here. For that eight, you know, for the late seventies yep. and eighties, and it and it has a kind of a vibe, and then it, the vibe, then the vibe's all over the place. Let's face it. After you get after Crazy World, it's kind of all over the place. So, um, Savage Amusement, man, I'm a big fan.
1: I, I just listened to this album not long ago, and and part of the reason that I, I read an article about it, and I remember in the article they talked about how the record company wanted wanted. Um, scorpions to make their hysteria referring to, uh, to death. yep and so you know i i heard it you know they t- recording took a long time but yeah i mean some of those some of the there's some huge singles i when you said it only went platinum i'm surprised i, I would have thought it gone double platinum because their passion rules the game what is rhythm rhythm of love was that yeah, on there? that was indeed. that was the first single yep R- R- rhythm of love but yeah, maybe they they were missing that that you know pour some sugar on me or something that yep. was just huge. But yeah, that's a that's a really solid album. Yeah, that's a that's a good choice. You
0: know what's weird when you think about it is that like we talk about these albums came out the same year. So Judas Priest gets one single and Scorpions gets three. You know, it's just kind of funny that you know like right. you know like why you know what I mean? Well, somebody was being cheap over at Columbia Records. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. There, there's a lot of
1: record companies and and. Talking about Lily and Ax and and MCA that just seem not to know shit and and you know man some of the some of the decisions that they that they made just make my head spin. All right, what's your four? Okay, Saigon kick. Ooh, and so so they go they go big in 1992 with the lizard. It goes gold. They have the huge ballad "Love Is on the Way," which which may which maybe was unfortunate, but I'm going to talk about the debut album. It came out in
0: 1991.
1: This is a phenomenal record. Um, I was a freshman in college in 1991, and my roommate was a guitar player and it actually worked out really well because he introduced me to bands like saigon kick love hate and and other bands like that but you know they made their fame with love is on the way there was so much more than that uh the debut have there's a song on there called my life that is is super beatles influenced and and it actually has a kazoo solo and you can't fucking go wrong with a kazoo (laughs) solo um they had some punk influence and and i i'm a i'm a big punk flan, punk fan the song called acid rain um what you say and love of god are tr- just tremendous rock songs they they were very experimental and very ahead of their time i feel but not in a way that they were so experimental that they would lose you it was still rock, but just in in a new way. They're they're not really a hair metal band. I'm sure they would not want to be, you know, lumped in with that scene. But this album, it, it from what I found, it, it sold 100,000 copies. I think it's much better than the lizard, which went gold. And and I'll just throw out there that their third album, Water, was really good. Yeah, they I lost like that. The, They lost their their lead singer um jason byler the the songwriter and guitar player he ended up singing on water but his, his they don't lose anything you, you can't even really tell but with that album they released a ballad as their first single and i think people were like oh you're just a ballad band and they weren't but you know they're known for ballads but a great rock band and and to me their their best album is their debut
0: Yeah, I remember me and my friends just kind of being blown away by this album, because I think when this came out, we were kind of wanting some more interesting stuff, and they were giving it to us, you know what I mean, like I said, there was elements, like you said, of Beatles, I think there were some similarities to Jane's Addiction, Uh, all all the, you know, the metal stuff was there, maybe they they even, like, they were kind of in the vein of King's X in a lot of ways, too, just kind of like that oddball metal you know and uh, yeah just great stuff that James
1: Addiction comparison I think is is really uh, really fits because I've heard other people say you know James ahead of their time so was this band and yeah
0: yeah so definitely didn't Fit into the hair metal scene and then somehow they got grouped into the hair metal scene when they did Love Is On The Way so right. uh, it, it is what it is but they, yeah they were way ahead of their time and were doing some cool
1: Sometimes stuff. big sometimes those big hits and, and, and extreme can probably relate with more yep. than words sometimes those big hits can be like a noose around your neck and come back to haunt you in a way.
0: Big, big time big time alright here's where for number four I'm gonna mention Brittany Fox but I'm not gonna mention the one that you mentioned Going to mention Boys in Heat. uh, Because this is one of those ones where I'm going to go back to this thing I keep saying where it's kind of sandwiched in between uh, some heavy hitters because the debut was a big album. You know, that went gold. And I think everybody just figured that uh, Britney was going to become a platinum band. And I think they might have been able to because I think this album is great. I think this album has the goods. It's just that the band fell apart before you really could get there. You know, you only had two singles. I'm a big fan, I've mentioned this I feel like 800 times, I want to mention it again, big fan of the song Angel in My Heart. I think that would have been yes. a great single. I also think Long Road would have been a great single to end it all off, and those things didn't happen. You know, I, I don't think Standing in the Shadows was a, was a really uh, good song to win people over. That's just me. It felt a little bit like a long way to love wannabe. So I think right. there was better stuff on there, but I, you know, a lot of people, some people say that album's too long. But I can listen to the whole thing and enjoy it. I don't know. That's just me. And I think it just has that designation of, like I said, it didn't. It had no certification. And then after, I think uh, the Tommy Paris album "Bite Down Hard" it is, is a thing of legend now. You know, nobody gave a rat's ass about that album in 1991. Nope. But uh, now it, it is legendary in its status. A lot of people are a big fan of what he did in the band. And just look to, as that album as a real a great album, and it is. But so I think between um, the debut being a bigger uh, commercial success and just the coolness of "Bite Down Hard" and "Boys and Heat" has a really shitty album cover, so that doesn't help. But um, yeah, so yeah. It, it's just it gets lost in the shuffle. But for me, it's actually my favorite Britney
1: Fox album. So I, I love that album, and and I love that band. I mean, I think the debut a lot of those deep cuts mm-hmm. are great boys and boys in heat had a ton of of songs that weren't released as singles that i thought were awesome and and i think dream on was released as a single but i, I love that song but stevie angel in my heart yeah i mean that album is full of great songs and and you know so uh, stevie rochelle you know T- talks in his metal sludge diaries about how they were getting ready to go on tour with Britney Fox for the for the Boys in Heat album and and how uh, Dean Davidson and I think Michael Kelly Smith got into a fight yep. and and the band broke up and that that fucked the tour and it it really screwed over tough you know and because their their debut album What Comes Around Goes Around which I think is a very good album. And they were you know that was going to be the tour that you know they were gonna get on and with a semi-decent big band and it you know it screwed Britney Fox and it screwed tough and and it's important because that's a great album all right we're getting down to the wire man number three so the next band I'm gonna talk to talk about went uh, huge in 1989 with an album called uh, once bitten twice shy Oh yeah that's great white they went to number nine sold two million two million copies the album prior to that also went platinum the album once bitten but in 1984 they put out a, a self-titled album it only went to a number 144 on billboard but to me this is the sound that great white should have stuck with it was straight ahead rock um, you know, the song Stick It Down On Your Knees. They do this amazing cover of the Who's substitute. But, you know, obviously, Twice Shy went plat- double platinum, so I, I don't know shit. But uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not big. If you've listened to my videos on YouTube, you know I'm not big when these hard rock bands try to go bluesy. And, and though I do like Once Bitten, Twice Shy, um, I do like, you know, that era of Great White. But those earlier years, um, they were a lot heavier on guitar. Jack's vocals were a lot rougher. And and I, you know, I, that's my favorite era of the band. And so that's an album that I think deserved better. Maybe if it had done better, they, they would have stuck with that sound. Obviously, they found, they found something else that works. But Great White self-titled, you know, great album.
0: Yeah, I prefer Great White as like a metal band too, and I think the debut stuff that you mentioned is great. I don't mind Once Bitten because I feel like it still has some of that metal, and we're just putting a little bit of the blues yep. in. And then right after this album is like, I, I'm really set with Great White. Like I don't care for Twice Shy or anything that follows because we, I think it just goes so far into the blues area that I just I'm not feeling it. So no, I'm with you. I think they were better as just a straight up metal band.
1: And I've read some interviews with Mark Kendall. I mean that he, that he you know prefers that that blues and and you know it was successful. But that's that's I like that that more metal sound that they did and, and they did it really well.
0: Agree, 100%. All right, number three, I'm gonna go with Wasp, and I'm gonna go with The Last Command. I feel like this is another one where the debut just gets all the credit. People just are so obsessed with the freaking debut. I like the debut too, but I, I think it's like blown out of proportion. Uh, another album I think that's completely blown out of proportion at least in my opinion is The Crimson Idol. It's like people are just obsessed with the Crimson Idol. I just never got it. I never never got into Crimson Idol wasp kind of ends for me in a lot of ways with the headless children and they really end frankly as a band because it, it's really never really been a band that much uh, after the headless children so um but i do think last command gets kind of crapped on it, it's it's definitely a little bit more oh what's the way where to say it like maybe a little more poppier or a little bit more hokier than the debut it's, it's not as dangerous but i think the songwriting's there you know, I mean, obviously, Wild Child, everybody's cool with that song. You hear a lot about that. Yep. But some of the other tracks, you just don't hear anything about. And I, I think the whole damn thing's great. Jack Action, Cries in the Night, the title track, uh, Fistful of Diamonds. It, it's just a fun album. It's a good listen. Uh, I don't think it sold that much different. It probably sold less, but they're both certified at a million. So, it, But I, I think, you know, as we talked about, the internet chatter, the legendary status, the debut is definitely always going to overshadow the last command but i think the right. last command is great
1: well and, and the, the debut i i didn't like how and, and and chris holmes has talked about this on the first album it seems like they're a band you know yeah. the whole band's on the cover and then suddenly it's the blackie show and i i know blackies you know he's the alpha male that in, in the band he's the songwriter he makes all the decisions but i like when a band is a band so I thought Bon Jovi did it right. Even though you know Bon Jovi was, you know, the star and he was, you know, the person signed to the record label and everyone else was basically hired. I never knew that back in the eighties because you felt like Bon Jovi. I mean, everybody seemed to be even though John was a star, everybody seemed to be equally represented. But Wasp, I mean, it really became you know, he was the focus of the album covers and the focus of the band and yeah so that's I mean but I, I do I do like that album and you, but you're right everything was gonna everything was gonna fail in comparison to the the debut album. Definitely. All right buddy number two. okay um, so I, th- I'm not the biggest fan in the world of this band, but there's a couple reasons that I chose White Lion and Pride obviously you know goes double platinum they have you know a suck. Not a lot of metal bands had number one songs. You know, Poison had Every Rose. White Lion had When the Children Cry. You know, I think think Sweet Child of Mine, did that go to number one? But, you know, a lot of these bands had biggest hits, but it was rare to go number one. So they have this huge album. Um, But the album I'm going to talk about is their third album, Main Attraction. Yeah. Went to number 61 on Billboard. Um, it you know it was released in in 1991 in April, so you know you, back then you still thought it might have had a chance to do something. Um, so I'll be honest, there, there's some shit on this album. There are some songs <laughs> that I do not like at all, but they had the first single "Love Don't Come Easy." It's a mid-tempo kind of acoustic. It's not a ballad, but it's it's close super song. They had three ballads that I think are as good as as a lot of ballads that bands like that released. You're all I need, um, till death do us part and farewell to you. So my brother's uh, wedding song was till death do us part. And I always tell him that, hey, when you get divorced, farewell to you can be your divorce <laughs> song. Um, just kidding. you know. So they're still together. But um, so they had a, there was a couple really, there was a really good rock song um uh what the hell was that called uh out with the boys they had some great great ballads a really cool mid-tempo with love don't come easy but that album died you know it made it to number 61 on billboard uh never got certified and and that was the end of the band they broke up after that
0: yeah i love main attraction i think it's their best album for me and I, I really a couple tracks that you didn't mention that I actually really like. I, I dig some of those like epic long tracks like War Song and Lights okay. and Thunder. Like I, I can like I feel like that was them kinda of stepping out and, and experimenting a little bit. So yep. I thought that was pretty cool. But then they still came back, like you said, and did Love Don't Come Easy. That felt like regular White Lion and then um from like their they they redid uh, Broken Heart uh from their very first album fight to survive which i love so yeah there's so many cool moments on that and the sound quality you know let's talk about that you get to the the early 90s and the sound quality of the material is just so good at that point it was peaking so that's a great sounding album
1: yeah and Mike. i mean mike trump you can't it has such a phenomenal voice and and Vito brada i mean I'm, i'm not a musician but even I know that Vito Brada is a phenomenal guitar player. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that's a band that, that you know, I I wish could have done better and could have given us a couple more albums, but, you know, it wasn't meant to be.
0: All right. My number two is going to be Europe. Rock Euro. me till I hit that door. Rock me till out of this world, um, obviously, to follow the final countdown probably is, is going to be a tough feat. You know what I mean? We had some right. big, big singles, the title track, Rock the Night, and Carrie, and Cherokee, and all that good stuff. Um, but I think for me, I, I like this album overall a lot better than the final countdown. Because I think song for song, it, it it's just it stacks up better. Uh, kind of like with the Scorpions, I just don't think we have that epic song that we need, you know, like we had with the final countdown. but. Uh, right. Superstitious is cool. Ready or not, Sign of the Times, Open Your Heart, Uh, Let the Good Times Rock. I mean, I I could just probably just rattle off every song. I think Joey's voice is really peaking here, too, especially when you listen to that last song, Tomorrow. It's just him and piano, and his voice is just, man, I don't know, a lot of emotion, a a lot of range, a lot of stuff happening. And I'm a big Key Marcello fan. I hate to say this because I probably would want to talk to John Norum at some point, but I, I like Key Marcello better than John right. Norum. I dig that melodic shit that he does uh, on uh, Prisoners in Paradise and on this album. So, I think just to to follow, you know, hey, once again, I gotta do it. It's it's, it's a theme. Three to one, man. Uh, final Countdown was three million. This was a one million. So, yep. you know, still successful, but not that mega hit like they had before.
1: Yeah, and and talk about another, you know, a song that that could be a blessing when it came out but but the final countdown I mean you cannot talk about the band Europe without talking about that song so I'm sure I'm it's not like they regret it but they got so pigeonholed into okay when's the next final countdown that some they had some great songs afterwards but it wasn't gonna have that big poppy keyboard intro, which is what everybody was waiting for, and, and that's unfortunate, because that's another super talented band, and Joey Tempest has a great voice, yep. um, so that's you know, I think I think that hit kind of kind of became an issue with, with their later albums
0: Alright, the last one what you got?
1: Okay, I'm a huge KISS fan I think most people know that I have so much KISS memorabilia in my house I mean, Gene Simmons really fucking owes me some royalties, so <laughs> Um, but I'm going to talk about Revenge and Revenge is is probably my favorite non-makeup album and it's probably in my top three Kiss albums of all time um, comes out in 1992 you know debuts at number six and, and I think they were smart they they released a, a Gene song instead of a Paul song as a first single and it was a fucking banger and unholy that is a great song but you know it it had to be the, the times you know revenge only goes it goes gold um doesn't you know crazy nights went platinum most most of their 80s albums even though they weren't on the level of their their 70s stuff most of their stuff went platinum uh most albums had at least one you know hit single but I don't think Revenge did. But check it. I mean, the singles they had, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, which was on the Bill and Ted soundtrack, Unholy, and and Domino, which a lot of people hate the song Domino. I love Domino. I love the video. It's Gene Simmons at his best. He's driving around LA, drinking a Coke, eating fast food. It's at night and he's wearing sunglasses. (laughs) You know, that's his gene. It's it's the epitome of Gene Simmons. There's a song there called I Just Wanna. That's a Paul song that I think it comes out two years earlier. It is, it's another Heaven's on Fire. It, it's massive. It's got one of the coolest choruses in, in a long time. And then there was a really cool, quiet ballad called Every Time I Look at You. Um, the album re- released a bunch of singles, but you know it, they just didn't seem to hit and this is you know to me this is the last time this was the best gene simmons period he had the hair all pulled back he had the goatee he finally looked like he was comfortable you know in the 80s wearing all that pink shit you know he like like he said he felt like he was he was dressed in a tutu um so revenge era one of my favorite kiss eras it's the best gene era there was some songs that should have been massive and you know we say it all the time just Right album, wrong time.
0: Yeah, I mean, geez, we've got another hour I could talk about revenge all night. Uh, but it's just, yeah, I mean, Kiss got it right. Um, I, I think it was, it was really a good time for the fans. Uh, that's why I've always looked at it. So if you were a Kiss fan... You finally were like looking at him and like you were proud, you know. Especially if you, I've always been a Gene fan. Gene's always been my favorite guy. So now Gene's out in the forefront, and and he's he's, like you said, he's on a couple singles. He looks cool again. He looks like a badass. You could tell he's engaged with the band, and I think that's when Kiss is most successful is when uh, this, you know, when when everybody's in the zone and and putting their uh, best foot forward. So yeah, it's a great time to be a Kiss fan. Does not get overlooked? Of course, it didn't have a big single. It wasn't a million seller. Uh, you know, a few years later, Kiss gets back together and, and does some things that just blow away the whole '80s. Kiss, you know what I mean? Right. So it, it's just yeah, it's it's one of those kind of lost period in some respects, but in other respects, it, it, it has gotten that legendary status in a lot of ways. Online,
1: it does. It does. Online,
0: online, it has that little bit of that legend thing, and yep. uh, it, and it deserves it because it's a great album. It sounds great and it looks cool. And it, even though it ain't 70s Kiss It's at least got the spirit of 70s Kiss It does
1: It does, yep
0: Alright, well you probably remember The other night on Twitter I, I, was, I was promoting an album And I got a lot of pushback on it So I thought number one Was the great spot to put it uh, it, it probably fits the bill The greatest out of probably any of these albums We talked about And it's White Snake, Slip of the Tongue And this album, man, I posted this, and, and this was—I was getting shit all over. There, people were shit on me. They're shit on this album, and um, I don't get it. And I'm gonna try to, you know, keep it brief, but I'll, I'll throw a couple points out there. Uh, the big villain of this album is Steve Vai. So Steve Vai ruined White Snake because he didn't play the blues, right? That—that's—that was—that's that right. was, the story that everybody's telling you. But let, let's let's be real, okay? so the white snake self-titled of 87 sells 8 million this only sells 1 million okay so right. that's a big drop-off but let's ask ourselves the, the most important question is who wrote these songs um there is not a single songwriting credit owed to steve Vai. Um, right. this is all david coverdale and adrian vandenberg i thought they wrote a great album it's a great hard rock record uh, but you know, kind of we've, this has been kind of coming up with the past couple that we talked about. The they don't have the big. There's no here. Here I go again. I think that's the that's the the bottom right. line. There is no here I go again. And um, I think they tried with a couple of these tracks. You know, now you're gone is kind of that mid-tempo, almost a ballad, yep. and then you have got deeper. Uh, the deeper the love and. I don't know. Maybe because I'm so burnt out with the 1987 album, because it was just so overplayed. I mean, it's a great album. I I probably, if you put a gun to my head, I probably would say the 87 one is better than Slip With the Tongue, but I, I don't know. Something about that year, that album, that sound... Um, I, I'm a big fan of it, and I, and I will always say that it is. A lot of people I talk to really dig this and uh, the 87 album. They don't give a shit about anything that came out before it or after it, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, yeah, so like I said, don't you can't blame Vi. He didn't write the songs. Uh, maybe they just didn't connect with the average music fan, but I think with metal fans and rock fans, this album fares pretty well. Judgment Day, Wings of the Storm. Uh, they pulled another one of their old tricks and redid an old song with "Fool for Your Lovin." Uh, some really right. interesting stuff, and and I think I think at the end of the day, I think I'm just kind of a weirdo. Like I kind of just dig Steve Vai. I kind of like that he adds that weird element to White Snake. Maybe White Snake didn't need that, but I, I think that that he brings that, and I enjoy it. Kind of like the same thing with Saigon Kick. Like I said, I I like something that's a little bit off the wall, a little yep. bit different. And I think he brought that to the White Snake thing. But uh, at the end of the day, he didn't write the songs, and you know what, uh, Anthony, the average uh, music fan who was part of that group of the eight million doesn't know the friggin' difference between John Sykes, Steve Vai, or Adrian Vandenberg. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So, so that's Absolutely. just a guitar nerd talking right there. So, yep. um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this album. If you haven't listened to it in a long time, go back. It's a rocker. Uh, I want oh slowpoke music. There you go, there's a deep track for you But uh, just just go back, enjoy it. it It's a fun album, it's pretty heavy uh, Yeah, that's all I got When, when,
1: I, when I think of Whitesnake I, I think of the big singles I like their straight ahead rock When they do like slide it in And slow and easy Those are a couple songs I, I really, I love the 1987 87 album and And I do like the Slip of the Tongue album I think because you and I are the kind of people that 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 know so much about these bands. So so I always was... I, I really felt bad for John Sykes because he wrote most of that album, right. the 1987 album, and he'd been with Coverdale for a number of albums, and here they're gonna break it big, and he gets fired, uh, doesn't even get to appear in the videos, doesn't get to do the tour, So I really like Steve Vai. I think he seems like it. So, you know, obviously, if you get, you know, Whitesnake is one of the biggest bands in the world at that time. I mean, what guitar player is going to turn down that opportunity? So he's part of a great album and a great tour. But, you know, so I'm just, I'm kind of in the John Sykes camp. He really got fucked over by David Coverdale. Uh, So, you know, that's kind of my thoughts on White Snake. But yeah, that's I mean, that is it's a good, solid album. And it's kind of surprising that it only, you know, went went platinum, you know, which is obviously not a disappointment. But coming off the 87 album, you, you needed to sell four or five million copies in order to, to be a success.
0: And, you know, the thing is, is how many bands really had that huge album and they had another huge one right after? I mean, it, there ain't oh, man. many. There ain't many. So I think you people got to realize, you know, these bands got to realize that, like, you know, that was like lightning don't strike twice always. You know what I mean? That was that was their big moment. And they can still be successful, but you're, you're not going to have the, that moment again. That was, that was the right time, the right music, the right everything. And to have that, you think, two years later, three years later, whatever, that's going to happen again. It just ain't happening.
1: I mean how many bands went multi platinum more than twice I what? mean you, you know they the poison did but a lot of bands you know sold a, you know warranted two double platinum albums uh you, you know but most bands weren't going to sell three albums that went double platinum your major huge ones your def leppard your mötley crue but there was a lot of bands that struggled to do that so You know, to to have a couple million sellers is, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's a career for most people. Definitely.
0: Well, brother, this was a fun conversation. Uh, I'm sure we'll do it again,
1: man. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, hey, you you know what? It it was awesome. And, uh, you know, again, I appreciate, you know yeah that sharing my stuff on twitter and definitely let's do this again maybe we can do one on my channel sometime definitely and, uh, you know keep rocking brother
0: all right man have a good night well that was great chatting with anthony hope you enjoyed it rock
1: on